Y'all there, Second Corinthians chapter 4. Find verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, so that the all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us. Everybody say, death's at work in me. You're like, some of you don't like that, but it's true. But the life is at work in you. As it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken with that same spirit of faith. We also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus at the, and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. So fix your eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporal or temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise and glory for what you're going to do this morning. If you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, just go ahead and do that. Hallelujah. We thank and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Starting a new series called Under Pressure. I asked you if you've been under pressure before, and, and many of you said, yeah, I've been under pressure. If, if you've never felt pressure... Or trials. You're probably not alive. New series under pressure. The title of this morning's message is How to Handle Pressures and Trials. How to Handle Pressures and Trials. Because if you can handle pressures and trials rightly, something happens. Actually, it's a twofold thing that takes place. If you don't handle them rightly, well, it can be really ugly. Anybody ever lost your cool under pressure? Let me give you an introduction, an overview. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6, Paul develops a major theme. And the major theme is this, how we can experience the manifest presence of God in our life in a greater way, more and more. How many of you want to experience more of God's power, more of God's grace, more of God's anointing? How many, how many of you want more? Well, I think we all do, all of us. And he gives insight to how our responses, how we respond to God while being under pressure can result basically in two blessings. Now, the first one is an increase of God's presence in our life and ministry now. And reading from the New King James, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 10, that the life of Jesus may all but also 
be manifested in our body. Now, when, it, when you, you see body in Scripture, sometimes it's talking about your physical body. Other times it's talking maybe about a, the, the body of Christ. In this instance, it means your whole being. God wants to come on you with power in every area of your life. Physically, He wants to come upon you in your, in your thought life. Come on, how many of you need Him in your thoughts? How many of you need, you need Him in your soul? How many of you are thankful when the glory of God, the power of God touches your flesh and you get healed? How we respond to God will result, if we respond rightly, in two great blessings. The first one is more of God in our life, in our, in our physical body now. The power of the Holy Spirit. Deal with pressures. You get more, more fire. You deal rightly with the pressure, with the trial. You get more of God's power. That's a good deal. It should motivate us. You have an assignment now in life. Hopefully you're walking it out and fulfilling it. But you also have an assignment in the future. You say, I do? Yeah. Which is really the second blessing. It's There's an increase for the power of God in the future, the age to come. Look at verse 17 of 2 Corinthians. I'm just going to give an overview. Then we're going to talk about some foundational understandings of what's going to motivate you to deal with pressure and trial rightly. And then just go through some of the things that actually, four, four major things that give us pressure. And some paradoxes. How many of you know what a paradox is? An oxymoron would be like a jumbo shrimp. A paradox paradox is you give your, you die, give your life to the Lord, pick up your cross, follow Him, then you actually get life. Humble yourself on the side of the Lord and you'll be lifted up. That's the paradox. It's like, what? That's contrary to what the world would say. So the second great blessing that comes, the first one is, if you deal with trials rightly, you deal with, with, with persecution, you deal with trials, you deal with pressure the right way, the first blessing is, you get more of God. The second blessing is that you get more of God in the millennium. Some people think you're just going to die when you die. You know, you're just going to spend time on a white cloud with a harp for the whole rest of your life. That is not the picture of what happens when when it's all done and over. You're going to get a glorified body. You're going to there's going to come a new heaven, a new earth. I mean, and you're going to have an assignment in it. You will meet people, judge and teach, and do all kinds of stuff. We, many times we don't think in terms of that. We just think like right now. Want my rent paid now? Want my mortgage paid now? Want this problem with, with my mother-in-law resolved right now? I want it all right now. This pressure and stuff. You respond rightly. You get more of God's power in your life now. And you get more of it later. Second uh, Corinthians four seventeen. Affliction. This affliction. This is New King James. Is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight, eternal weight of glory wow, so it's foundational to understand God's purpose for pressure it's, it, it is foundational in your walk with Jesus to understand God's purpose for pressure you say God, pressure is not from God <laughs> sometimes it is sometimes it isn't there's a number of things that cause us to be under pressure. We'll talk about those. Let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 41 through 42, for you note takers. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another in glory. 
so also in the resurrection of the dead. What does that mean? That basically means that in, in the life after with God, some people will carry greater glory than others. And that will be determined by how you handled pressure now. Listen, this is not taught in church, but this is the Word of God. This is what it says. It's generally not taught. We want, we want blessing now. We want favor now. We want money now. We want our problems resolved. Just ease the pain. Jesus. Sometimes you're under pressure because God's trying to make something in you. Trying to form you. And fashion you into somebody who's in His likeness and character. I don't know about you, but I've been under pressure that God put me under and said, been like, I bind you, Satan, and almost heard like, you can't bind me, son. Jesus is my Jesus is my one and only son. I'm the one that's putting you on pressure, so you have to submit. Now, I hate that. Do you ever hate that? So it's foundational understanding that God's purpose for pressure in our life, the, the, the revelation of eternity. You need to have a revelation that you're not just living here. It's not just about this moment. It's not just about the temporal stuff. There's a continuity of your choices that you make now that will affect eternity. Your eternity. The decisions you make now will result if you respond rightly to pressure you get more of God now you get more anointing now more of the life of Jesus now but you also get more later in the millennium we don't usually talk about that but the Lord has, has been pushing me to study the book of Revelation I'm reading these things I'm going okay I've sort of dodged some of this stuff you know the book of Revelation was just a weird book when I first got saved it's not so weird now, and I'm finding there's tremendous truth that we need to glean from it to apply to our life now. You overcome trials and pressures now. You get more anointing, more of God's power, presence, and intimacy, but you also get more eternal weight of glory later. Really said, like, you're scaring me, Pastor. Good. Praise God. Let's move on to the next point. Paul declared basically in verse 7 that the power of God is at work in us now. He describes some of these, these four pressures that are some of these pressures that are at work enabling us to experience more of God's power. <laughs> we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's a picture of of our humanity. It's a picture of our brokenness. Now, I had some challenges with my notes, making your notes. So if it doesn't make sense, don't worry about it. Just pray in the Spirit and write anything in there. Get a word from the Lord. God has a promise for us to carry greater power in these earthen vessels. We're all crackpots. Okay? Every one of us has shortcomings. All of us. That's why when God flows through you to somebody, when you overcome your pressure and your trial and you rise up and He blesses you and gives you more of His life in your life, everybody just goes, that had to be God because we know you're all jacked. That had to be the Lord. Earth and vessel, fallen humanity. 
the dying of Jesus. We embrace Jesus' teaching. Look, he's an example. We have to die to ourselves in pressure and trial. It's not all... I, I, whoever said it was to Rose Garden, when you just get saved, it's all going to be great. I, I, when I first gave my heart to the Lord, it all crashed. It was actually really bad. But I was just reaping the consequences of everything that happened, and the Lord brought me through. I thought it was going to be easy, but I cried for a year. I think I, I wept for a year after I gave my heart to Jesus. So what would you weep for a year about? I finally found what I was looking for all my life. I finally found the love that I was looking for. Look, every one of us are looking for love. We're looking for acceptance. We're looking for security. You will find that in God. You will find that in Him in such a real way. Now, the dilemma... The dilemma is that the very breakthrough... Okay. So you have trial, you have pressure. Financial, physical, emotional, relational. You have these pressures, you have these trials. The way that you respond to them will either, one, release greater outpouring, greater, greater release of the life of Jesus in your life, and number two, it not only does that, but it releases greater weight of glory later. Later on, the age to come. In this age, you have more anointing, more power, more authority spiritually as you overcome things. Come on, some of you. Some of you were facing problems that God gave you a stone and a sling, and you took that thing down with an attitude, with a head that big. You can't miss. You know, God gave you a grace to see that thing, and you took it down. Now when you see Goliath, you're like... No, you have some other mountain... Right? That before probably would have caused you to fall out. But now God's caused you to grow. Why? You've got greater anointing because you responded rightly to the trial, to the persecution, to the to the pressure. The temptation is this when you start getting big and strong. When you start figuring it out how it works the very blessing that comes to you can cause you to cross over into pride and lose the edge of dealing with trials and pressures and, and, and situations let me, let me just say this for you. I'm in, a, in an unusual place in my life I'm, I'm, I'm real transparent okay as a pastor it's the way that God wired me up somebody said you should never tell your personal stories I'm like whatever I think it helps people to realize, you know, you put a put a man of God up on a platform. I'm just a man, you know, right? I know some of you are really surprised at that, but just talk to my wife. She'll help you. Now that we have, we have double tithed, we would give sacrificially. Accountants would say, you're out of your mind do something different. We would obey God and obey God and obey God and give and sacrifice and, and, and sometimes live above our means and get into debt and cause problems and repent and learn how to do finances right. I mean, we've been at it for a while, okay? I know all of you all got your checkbooks balanced and everything's great. For us, we had to learn how to do that. It didn't really get that from mom and dad. How to learn in the church. How to learn how to live life. Handle our money. So we've contended for so long for us to not have debt over our head 
and God miraculously comes through. It's interesting that we were taking care of our finances, doing the right thing for quite a while before we had our major breakthrough that wiped out all of our debt. In other words, we, we, we don't use credit cards. We weren't, in, we, weren't, we weren't just consuming like crazy and creating more debt and more problems. We were being good stewards with what God gave us. And he said, You're gonna, you better take care of your financial house, son. Great. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to die early or something? And we're still growing. But now that, and we would cry out, God, break this debt off of us. Break this thing. Then the miracle comes. And if you lose your edge, this is the dilemma. You respond rightly to pressures and trials. You get more anointing, more favor, more blessing. If you end up letting the blessing cause you to get prideful and lose your edge about your desperation and hunger for God, you have absolutely lost it. And then guess what happens? He loves us so much, he brings another pressure and trial. He's like, well, I guess I have to teach you that again. And you have to go through another pressure and trial. Or maybe, you know, maybe you put it on yourself. God, oh, not all pressures and trials are, are from God. But God does protect His power with problems. Let's look at Roman numeral 3. Let let me just read this. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. Whoa. Check this out. This is the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine what he, he was writing the Bible? That's pretty heavy. Pretty heavy revelations. The Apostle Paul wrote three quarters of the New Testament. Pretty serious anointing on the guy. And he writes this. Because of the abundance of revelation here in 2 Corinthians 12. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted. Whoa. See, some of the things you've had in your life and you want them to go away. But they're the very things that might cause you to press into God. I frequently wanted to pray for the church to have lots of problems so they would come. Lord, just afflict them so that they would really serve you with all their hearts. And I've gone through seasons of affliction. I don't want the Lord to afflict you, but let me just tell you, He loves you so much that He's going to allow stuff to come if you're not in agreement with Him. He's a jealous God. What does that mean? That means He wants you, your heart for Him. And if you have half a heart for Him and half for for something else in the flesh or the world or fame or fortune, then He's going to make sure that that thing falls flat on its face. And you might feel pain through that. And that is an expression of His love. Whoever said that it's just all good, you come to God and it's just great, that's a bunch of bunk. That is hogwash. Come on, somebody say it's hogwash. Four sources, really, of pressure. The first one, and it's not necessarily in order, but God's training. God uses pressure and trials to train you. God uses pressures and trials to train you. Hebrews 12, 6 those whom the Lord loves, He beats the hell out of. (laughs) Actually, it doesn't really say that. That's my paraphrase. Those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. The New King James says, did He just say hell? Yeah, I did. I did. I did say it. 
That actually is a statement that is on the computer of Lorne Cunningham, the 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 uh, the man who started YWAM, releasing more youth into the nations for missions than any other organization in the history of the earth. Amazing. What do you mean beats the hell? How many of you have any hell in you this morning? You want to get rid of it. If I got any hell on the inside of me, I want it gone. And the way that the Lord will, will train us is... Look, if, you're, if you don't train your children, you're going to have a prison ministry, right? Am I right about that? You don't train your kids, you can have a prison ministry. You want to have a prison ministry? Don't correct them. Don't train them. Don't discipline. Don't discipline them. They'll run around with their hair on fire, wrecking everybody's stuff, staining carpet, ripping things, ruining expensive stuff. And you go, well, you know, he's going through a stage. He's a stinking brat because you don't train him. Give me a break. And then they grow up and they end up fornicating and doing stuff and going crazy. And, and we're just like, well, I don't know what went wrong. Hello? Yeah, you have to train your kids. You have to discipline them. There has to be consequences. Look, some of us have not gotten the kind of training. I'm including myself. I said some of us didn't get the kind of training I needed when I was a young man. So guess who had to train me? The Lord. How do you do that? Through pressure and trials and problems. Yeah, and then you learn through those. Or you can go around the mountain again. So God's training, you know, some people think everything is from God. No, everything is not from God. Not every pressure and trial you have is from God, but some of them are. Some people think, well, everything's from God, and we just humble ourselves before Him. As the, it's just like the devil's just riding Him. Yeah, there's stuff that comes from the devil. We'll talk about that in a second. In fact, that's the next one. Four sources of pressure and trials. One, God. God training you. God teaching you. Because He loves you. The second thing is Satan's attack. Satan. (laughs) Satan's attack. Yeah, the father of lies. The ugly one. Yeah, he comes to attack you. I hate that. Don't you? He rages against us seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5.8 So there are trials that absolutely come. Pressures that can come that are demonic. Yes, I'm serious. Yes. The second or the third thing that can bring pressures and trials is you. You, your sin, your foolish decision, the choices that you make that are not in agreement with the Word. And you start getting pummeled and you're like, I bind you, Satan. Satan's like, dude, I don't got nothing to do with that. You beat yourself up all by yourself. You're like, God, why are you doing this to me? He's like, dude, stop sticking your finger in the electric pencil sharpener. Lord, would you stop? Don't you love me? I bind you, Satan. You're the one. You're the one that's sticking your finger in the pencil sharpener. Stop. Sin, your own sin, your own foolish decisions and choices, they can bring problems, trials, pressure. The fourth thing is, is interesting, and I got this from Romans 8. Creation. Now, we've seen a lot of earthquakes, tidal waves, 
tsunamis. And there are more to come. It's called creation's groan. That's what theologians call it, creation's groan. And it comes from Revelation chapter 8. It's, it's literally, there's a dynamic relation between, a dynamic connectivity between your sin, my sin, the sin of mankind, and creation. You say, prove it. Total another message, but I'll just touch on one point. A, a famous or, or a popular rhema word for us in this hour and has been for the past 20 years is Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and fast and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their prayer and I will what? Heal their land. There is a principle throughout Old Testament. You see it in the New, but you, you have to understand that the sin of mankind causes creation to groan under the weight of sin. It's, it's very simple. I mean, if we went and dumped a bunch of motor oil on your front lawn, it would die. Right? Okay. The way that the earth is living, the, the degradation that's taken place, the sin, abortion, same-sex marriage, the, the atrocities, the, the genocide. They just found a mass grave from Gaddafi. The genocide and the murder and all the things that are happening in the earth. Does that affect the earth? Oh, you better believe it does. And do, can that cause you pressure and trial? Absolutely. One day there will be a new one. But meanwhile, the things that cause us pressures and trials, God's training, number one. Number two, Satan's attack. Number three, our stupidity. Or somebody else's. Has anybody else been affected by somebody else's stupidity? Sin, man's sin. And fourthly, creation's grown. Here's how you resolve them. You submit to God's training. To, you submit to the Father's discipline, number one. To the Father's pressure, you submit. With endurance and gratitude, you be thankful. Number two, we resist Satan and he flees. If he hasn't fled yet, do you keep resisting? The, the pressures, how do we deal with them? God's training, God's pressure. How would you like to be Jonah? There's storms that come from God and storms that come from the devil. Jesus is going across the Sea of Galilee. The boat is sinking. The disciples are freaked out. And Jesus is asleep because he went to morning prayer. And he wouldn't worry about it. He went to EMP. He's sleeping. They woke him up. He stands up. He's like, come on rebukes the wind and the waves. God doesn't rebuke himself. He rebukes the storm. Rebuke. It's a, it, it's a very sharp word. It's, it, it's the same word for casting out a, a demon. It's the same word for thrusting laborers out into the harvest field, too. He rebukes the wind and the waves, and immediately it's still. God doesn't rebuke himself, so who do you think whipped that up? It, the groan of creation? Very possibly. Very possibly, yes. So he rebuked creation. Anybody ever done that? I have. I needed the river to drop. I was in Hana. It was a flood that came through. We needed the cross. We laid our hands on the top of the water and said, drop. Nothing happened. Till 15 minutes later, then it dropped and we were able to get across. Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. But in Jonah's case, there's a storm that comes that's from God, from his own disobedience. And what do you think God is doing to Jonah? He's training him. Some of you are being trained by God right now. And you don't like it. 
Well, you can fight against God as much as you want, but He might send a whale to swallow you up. Some of you, I've said this before, but it's so good I have to say it again. Some of you are in the middle of a storm because of the jerk that's underneath your deck of your boat. In other words, you've got people on board that you need to throw over. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Hey, hey, hey. Ah, ah. Come on, some of you need to throw some people overboard. You've been codependent with them for years. For the love of God, toss them to the discipline of heaven. And quit being codependent. You wonder why your home is being battered. I'm trying. Satan's attack. Man's sin. Creation's grown. You submit to the Father's discipline. Number one. How do you get through that pressure? You submit to the discipline. How do you deal with Satan's attack? You bind. You loose. You resist him. Number three. How do you deal with, with, uh, with your problem? You repent of wrong attitudes, wrong motives. You quit sinning. Get your life lined up. Get accountable. Start doing the Word of God. Get away from stupidness. Get away from people who... You, uh, boundaries are a great thing. You have to create boundaries. So for the person that's constantly... Are you going to help me? Would you please help me? Yeah, we're going to help you and then teach you. Look, don't stick your finger in a pencil sharpener. Okay, but they keep doing it. Well, you just gonna, you, you got to just let them... If they want to stick their finger in a pencil sharpener... It's great, but you're not going to get blood all over my carpet. It's your choice. He said, well, that's, that's not very loving. Oh, no, 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 no. It's actually tough love. You ever heard that before? Come on, God loves you, so He'll discipline you. If I just love my children, I don't want to discipline them because they're just going to feel like... Really, from what that comes from is most of the time, parents... You know, maybe they were abused. So they are afraid of abusing their own kids. And that absolutely happens, and it's horrible, and it's wicked, and it should not take place. But there is a right way to, to discipline, and, and you have to do it. God's training, submit to it. Satan's tack, bind it. Man's sin, just do the right thing. And get away from people that are doing the wrong thing that are affecting you. Minister to them, just don't bring them close. Number four, creation's grown. How do you, how do you deal with that? Well, pray. Not much you can do. Work in the midst of the heat of the day. Let's get into some of these paradoxes now. Paradoxes. Are you getting anything from the Lord this morning? How you respond to pressure and trials will determine whether you become more anointed now and later. Pressures and trials can come from God, can come from Satan, can come from your sin, man's sin, can come from creation's groan. We had an earthquake right now. I'm pretty sure, you know, we didn't cause it by sitting here having church. But it would affect us, right? So we would pray. We would do whatever we could. There's some paradoxes that Paul mentions that are common to every single believer. If you're a believer, you go through this stuff. Paradox number one is the attack is attacking our emotions. We're hard-pressed on every side. You know what hard-pressed means? It means you've been pressed really hard. 
People get pressed by finances, emotions, relationship, physical pain. God says don't give up. The temptation is to give up. Paul says we're hard pressed, but we're not crushed. The temptation when you're going through pressures is to yield to it and give up. Now, I I came from such a dark hole many years ago that I really didn't have anything to give up to. You know, Peter went a-fishing. I didn't have any fishing or have anything. And I wanted to quit lots, lots of times. I wanted to just say, this is too painful, too difficult. I cannot do it. And the enemy would be like, absolutely, just go back to where you came from and forget it. But within me, I knew that the pain of all of the circumstances and everything that God brought me out of, I wasn't going back to that hell hole no matter what. And so I determined by the grace of God, it was a gift he gave me. I said, Lord, I want to quit. And it would almost be like he would echo back to me. Awesome. Where are you going? I haven't figured that out yet. Okay, well, I alone have the words of eternal life. Yeah. I've had people of fiery, on fire, full of faith, full of power, full of anointing, go through a trial in their life, end up in my office and they say, I'm done. I'm quitting. That's it. Okay. What are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm still working on that. No, really what happened is they're in the midst of a, of a trial, a pressure that came from one of those sources and they just want to quit. Don't quit. Paul was hard-pressed. You've been hard-pressed? Don't quit. Hard-pressed. Not crushed. God will make a way of escape for you. God will bring you through. Just don't quit. Don't quit. The temptation is to quit. Pressure comes. Temptation comes. Being hard-pressed comes. Don't quit. God will bring you through. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation sees you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful. Everybody say God's faithful. Oh, i got to hurry. Paradox 2. The attacking of our understanding. We're perplexed. We're perplexed. Anybody been perplexed? Confusion. You ever been confused? I have. You're going through transition? It's a confusing time. It can be confusing. But Paul says this, we're confused or we are perplexed, but we're not in despair. There's circumstances that, that, that make us confused. Why, why did that happen, God? Why, why did that happen? Why did it happen to me? When are you really coming through to deliver me? And all these questions. Listen, God wants you to have confidence. That, oh, thank you, Jesus. God wants you to have confidence. Listen to your pastor right now. The confidence he wants you to have is not in temporal things. It is not in circumstances. It is not in your bank book or your wallet or your checkbook or somebody you know. Or, or It's not, certainly not in our emotions, man. Emotions come and go. I used to live by them. My gosh, that's a terrible life. You're perplexed. You don't understand why circumstances happen the way it did to you. Well, the truth is, you might not ever understand in this life. And sometimes He gives understanding. What He wants you to do is have confidence in Him. 
that out of intimacy and knowing that He loves you so much that He's going to bring you through. And you might not understand it. You might not have it all figured out. You might not know, not know why your aunt or your uncle died. I don't know why Ron Hall died. I laid hands on him. I prayed. I fasted. He's, he, he's got his life supernaturally extended, for which we're thankful I never would have met him. But now he's in heaven, which I think he's really happy about. I know he's skipping all over the place. With joy, streets of gold, no more pain, no more tumors. And we're left here. Why? Why is the wrong question to ask? If God wants to tell you the answer, He will. But we can't hardly understand why planets don't crash into each other. We can't understand why, why an apple, when it removes its skin, becomes to get brown. Understand why one bolt of lightning is more power than a city of 100,000 people can use for a whole year. We don't understand lots of stuff. Settle it on this. Though you might be perplexed and you might be confused, don't be in despair because the God of all heaven is for you and He's going to bring you through. And, and, and bringing you through might be you get to go to heaven. I know that's not like a popular answer, but I mean, ultimately, we win. Come on, somebody say amen. God uses confusion, I think, perplexity to train us. Paradox number three, attacked by people who were persecuted but not forsaken. People will definitely backstab you. People will talk about you. People will gut you like a fish on the banks of the Canaan. Oh, they will. They will take your stuff. Even in church? Absolutely. Maybe especially in church. And he's like, I left my wallet in my car and somebody took it. That's pressure and trial that you're experiencing through another person's sin and your foolishness of leaving it on the dashboard of your car in this fallen age. You know, we'd hope that everybody would just be great and not backstab or steal or gossip, but it happens. And you know, may it not happen for you. Be worse to throw tie a millstone around your neck to stumble one of these little ones. Yeah, but people come to church, they're in all phases of growth with God. There can come attack by people, but God will never forsake you. Don't make people God. Don't make your husband God. You're like, duh, no kidding. Don't make your wife God. Your husband can't fulfill you at the deepest levels that you need it, ladies and gentlemen. Only God can. Only God can. Only God. Gentlemen, same thing. In marriage, yes, we complement each other. There's fulfillment. There's joy. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> as long as you have the principles right. You're dying. It's the key to marriage. Die. Gentlemen, die. Put your newspaper down. Turn off the TV. Look her in the eyes. Listen. You know, die to yourself. God will never forsake you, though. The enemy lies to us saying that because some people have forsaken us, God's also going to forsake us. I counsel people over and over because their fathers were wicked to them. They can't let the Lord in because they think He's just like their dad. And God is that God, the Heavenly Father, is, is not like your dad. As great as your dad might be, our Heavenly Father is far superior. He's perfect. So men and people, they, they will... They will, they'll attack you. We're persecuted but not forsaken. Paradox 4, 
were struck down but not destroyed, attacking your the life, your life purpose. Sometimes you, you're so attacked with God in the midst of that. He'll bring you to a place where you're not destroyed. He's going to bring you through. Come on, somebody say, God's going to bring me through. We're supposed to respond to God in faith in the pressures and the trials. You deal with them the God way and you get the God result. And really the last thing is, you got to have an eternal, eternal perspective. This is just a test. It's going to pass. How are you responding? You are under pressure. All of us are under pressure. How are you responding to your pressure and your trial? Ask yourself that. And is your trial from God? If it is, you better stop binding Him. And you better line up with the Word of God. Repent. Get right. Do what He's... Yield. Yield to Him. Yield to God. Many pressures in my life were actually the Lord, but I thought it was the devil. All those wasted Pentecostal meetings. Devil! Devil, I bind you! The Lord's like, trying to help you here. Son, I love you. Many pressures are from God. Storms can come from God. But there's pressures and trials that come from the devil. You bind him. You resist him. He's got to go. He's really the toothless one for those who are walking with God. Prowls around like a toothless lion. His bite, his roar is bigger than his bite. Start walking in greater authority. There's pressures that can come from people. You or others. Man's sin. Pressures that can come from creation's groan. How are you responding? How are you responding to the pressure that you're under? And the trial. Some of you are stinking mad. It's not a real good response. Do the right thing. Get an agreement. You might be perplexed. But God will help you. Don't quit. You say, well, everything's good for me right now. That's okay. There's a trial coming. Praise God. When the trial comes, rejoice. Now, I learned this, and and Micah, would you come, please? As we close this morning, I learned this. That I would not have, I would not know the weight of joy that I have in God now had I not gone through the hell that he brought me out of. There is a scripture that says, to him who's been forgiven much loves much. Come on, that scripture's for a lot of you out there. When you get a revelation of it, it's for all of us. You're like, well, I really didn't sin all that. But your sin put Jesus on the cross. Quit being so prideful. When God blesses you because you respond rightly to the trial and the pressure, don't lose your intimacy with Him. Don't lose it. God's, God's training us. The devil hates us. We do her finger in. And creation's groaning. You respond rightly, it's a twofold blessing. More fire. Number one, you get the life of Jesus manifested in your body if you respond rightly. Number two, you get a greater weight of eternal glory. Don't just live for temporal stuff. Live for eternity. This is just a test. This is training. Get something from the Lord. Would you stand up on your feet?
discernment to know what we're what kind of pressure and trial we're in. Lord, because we don't want to bind you. We definitely want to bind the ugly one. We certainly want to take responsibility for the things we might have done that caused us to come under a pressure and trial. So speak to your people right now. Some of you, you come on. You're in a real trial. Ask God, how did that happen? Is it him training you? If you're in a financial trial because you've spent tons of money on your credit cards and now it's all bearing down and the economy flipped on you, guess what? You shouldn't have been spending money that way. Now repent, cut up your cards, do the right thing. Live within your means, do your best. And you know, there's people losing their houses all over America. Well, what are we going to do? Go blow our brains out because we lost our house? It's just a stupid house. There's another house in heaven that he has for you. Come on, let that train you. Some of that circumstances, people are doing everything right. Some of that was savings and loan and governmental people getting greedy and doing things and we took the hit because of their foolishness. Right? Either way, you might be pressed, hard pressed, but you're not crushed. Call on God. Call on Him. Humble yourself. He'll bring you through the trial. Financial trial, He'll bring you through. Emotional trial, He'll bring you through. He'll comfort you. He will He will come and touch you in the night. He will speak to you and breathe upon your life and release grace, release strength to be able to finish. Don't quit. There's nothing to quit to. Where are you going to go? He alone has the words of eternal life. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You love. You love. Let's let the Lord speak to you. What kind of trial are you in? Once you figure that out, take the right response. Lord, let me be trained by this problem, this trial, this pressure. Let me be trained by it. Help me to humble myself. What do you want me to do? Some of you have people on your boat. You got a Jonah under the deck. How do you want me to deal with that, God? The storm that's upon my life is because I'm harboring a fugitive, (laughs) so to speak. We need to help people. The people that don't want to be helped, they're hard to help. I know that sounds like great wisdom. Hard to help people that don't want help. Don't be codependent. Cut them loose. Throw them overboard. Let the Lord deal with them. He's got a fish. He'll train them. If the enemy's attacking you, you stand firm. You rebuke the devourer. You stand. You you war. You wage a good warfare. You resist the devil. Resist thoughts. Resist evil. Resist wickedness. Resist it. And it'll flee. And then it'll come back and you got to do it again. Your own sin. If you've got sin in your life and you realize that's the, the reason you're going through what you're going through is because you did some stuff. Or maybe somebody else did some stuff that's affecting you. You know, repent. You can repent on behalf of them. Some of you need to forgive people. You're in a trial because of, you know, Brother Knucklehead took something from you or did something. Or, or you know, 
Yeah, apply it. Apply the message right now. Creation's grown. That's going to come. Lord, we want to have a perspective, an eternal perspective that keeps us on track, that keeps us online. On purpose. May we not be swayed by or moved by every wind of doctrine. May we not be moved by the pressures of the world or the flesh or the devil. May we be moved by you, by your word and your plan. And give us discernment to know what kind of pressure and trial we're under. And let us rise up underneath that to give you glory. We thank you. And if we respond rightly, you will give us a fresh anointing in the midst of it to carry us, to bring us through. And secondly, you'll give us a greater weight of eternal glory in the age to come. Second Corinthians chapter 4, 14 through 17 says this, Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus. We do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light momentary affliction is working for us. Your trial, your pressure is working for you. The God pressure. Even the the demonic attack is working for you. To make you to be a man or a woman that walks in greater authority. Even, Even your sin is teaching you to, oh, that's no good. I don't like the pencil sharpener. I, God, Jesus, it's working for you. And the benefit will play out here. And it will play out in the day and the age that is yet to come. Eternity. A greater way. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're not right with God, you want to be made right with Him today. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. You've never received Him. You want to receive Him for the first time and repent of your sin. Or maybe you want to make a recommitment all across this place, those online, those listening by podcast. You want to get right with God, slip your hand up right now. Right now. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Slip your hand. You say, that's me. God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Now, we never want to embarrass anybody. But we also understand that when you give your heart to the Lord... There is a principle called discipleship. You need to learn something. We don't want you just to receive God and just go off. And There's people on bar stools this morning. There's people driving the porcelain bus, if you know what I mean by that, because of what they did last night. And they were at an altar six months ago, and they received the Lord, quote-unquote, which is a very real thing, but nobody ever discipled them. Nobody ever taught them how to walk it. Nobody ever taught them how to, how to, how to get free of the pain that's in their heart, how to get healed, how to have a healthy marriage, how to raise kids. You need to get discipled. If you lifted your hand and you're serious about giving your heart to God, whether it be a recommitment or for the first time, come to the front right now. I just want to pray with you. Come right now. Come right to the front. Come on. Come right to the front. You're serious. You want to get right with God? Come. Come on. You raised your hand. You're serious. God bless you. Come on. Put your hands together for these. Come on, church. This is the greatest thing that can happen all morning. This is the greatest thing that can happen all morning. Is somebody get right with God. It's a brand new day. A brand new day. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout to God. It's a brand new day. 
place. Say with me, say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Lift your hands. If you're a life group leader, come to the front right now, please. Grace, would you help me? We want to give you a Bible study. Right underneath that chair is is some Bible studies. We want to give you a Bible study. We want to help you grow in the things of God. Come on, let's just worship for a moment. They're going to minister to these right here. Come on, Micah. Lift your hands and just worship the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. someone by the hand, won't you? We're glad you came today. Now next week is Vision Sunday. We'll be taking an extra offering to move the vision forward so you seek the Lord and if you desire to participate on that. Tonight, 
we have a, uh, a pot latch. How many of you know what a pot latch is? Right? Pot lock, pot latch, pot blessing. We're going to eat tonight. How many of you like eating? All right. Swing the person's hand if you like eating. All right. Okay, good. Because uh, Minister Alex and Shelby are here, and, and they're going to be towards the door. And just saying hi to people. Why don't you greet them and, and welcome them to Alaska. And, and we're going to have a, a time of celebration that they're here and just to eat and have some fellowship tonight. So you come, bring a main dish, and, uh, and we'll all eat together. It'll be tremendous. And then we'll stop eating on the 29th. Hallelujah. If you want to part, part, I don't know why they call it the fast. I think we should call it the slow. It's like, oh, God. It's going to be powerful. Corporate fast starting on the 29th. Don't forget Wednesday, the memorial for Ron Hall, Brother Hall, the Hall family. You keep them in prayer. They'll be here at 7 o'clock. My God, God is good, isn't He? Isn't He good? Isn't God great? Come on, pray for the person on your right, person on your left. I'll bless you. Father, thank you for what you've done today. Lord, for the outpouring of your Spirit. God, for the, the Word of the Lord that's come to encourage us in the midst of our trials. We stand, God, before you as your people the flock in your care. Lord, lead us and guide us. Strengthen us. Release grace. Release power to overcome pressure, to overcome the trials, to be trained by all of them, but even to resist the devil, to see him flee, to make right choices. God, to be trained by the teaching and the discipline of the Lord, that we would lean on you and you would release a greater anointing now and in the age to come. All for the glory of God, all for the glory of your name. Bless your people, cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance, swords, and be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. God bless you. If we haven't met you, my wife and I will be in the back just shaking hands and meeting you. God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight.